Hi, I'm Bruce Weinstein. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is a podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, and today we're not making one of our recipes strange, very strange. No, we're doing a recipe from a Weight Watchers book called Yes Italian. Yes Italian. Shouldn't that be C Italian? Actually, there's an explanation. Explanation. There's an explanation. Italianim. (laughs) That's for you. That's for you, Jewish Italians. No, it has an exclamation point, so I think it's yes, Italian. Oh, that seemed very aggressive, and um, I'm sure that will be dealt with in editing. Um, But uh, um, yes, it's from the Weight Watchers book, Yes, Italian, and this is a fish and orzo brazy stew, but we should say right up front, or I should say right up front, just in full disclosure, we do write a column for Weight Watchers. We have been writing this column for over 14 years. It's ridiculous. <laughs> We've been writing a column for a long time. It's we, on WeightWatchers.com, right. and it's called Bruce and Mark on Food. Right, and so we do write that column. However, I also want to say we have nothing to do with this book. We had nothing to do with this production or its recipes, nor do we uh, nor do we uh, get royalties. Yeah, nor do we benefit from the sale of this book in any way. So, but we is, do like the book. It's got some great ideas in it. it. Wonderful pictures of old Italian ladies it, it, and Italian men <laughs> sitting on their front porch. Some nicer pictures of hot Italian men, but that's probably another story. Anyway, and some really great pictures of some delicious maybe, food. Maybe a hot Italian men is how you know you, it helps you stay on plan. What do you think? <laughs> is that is that the point? There is. That that's how you stay on plan. That's how the uh, Italian ladies stay on plan. <laughs> well, might be how I stay on plan too. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, this is this this recipe, and it's halibut braised with the orzo. So, why don't you talk about it a minute? So basically, it's kind of like you know, orzo is a pasta that's shaped like little grains of rice. Right. And we're going to be doing it all in one pot, one skillet dinner, where the orzo is going to be cooked right in the sauce. And then when it's about halfway cooked, the fish will get slipped in and finish cooking in it. But you have to be careful with orzo because it settles to the bottom of pots even when you're doing it on top of the stove. It certainly does if you're doing it in a pressure cooker. But if you're doing it even on top of the stoves, you want to keep the flame as low as possible. And you want to occasionally stir it to make okay, sure it doesn't okay. stick. Wait, this is way too much. Well, that's just orzo. some helpful I'll, tips. Yeah, sure. Well, okay, anyway. Yeah, sure. Helpful. Anyway. But the thing about orzo, and wait, I want to say this. The thing about orzo is that it can be cooked in the liquid in the pot. It doesn't necessarily have to be cooked separately, right? That's what I just and said. That, I know. And that's the thing about it. But this is what I then want to reemphasize is that, unbeknownst to probably anyone that's listening to this podcast except to us, we have a book coming out in the early summer called The Kitchen Shortcut Bible, and you're going to hear much more about this book later. But we have a whole set of recipes in which Every recipe cooks the pasta right in the sauce. Why should why shouldn't you do it's that? It's kind of it's amazing. Like Bruce worked on adjudicating the adjudicating. Oh, I don't know. That sounds good. Formulating formulating the liquid levels so that you could dump the pasta right into the pot and make like, for example, bolognese with the pasta already in the pot, essentially at the incredible. end. Incredible. It's kind of all incredible. But that's going to come up in the kitchen shortcut Bible. But this is in the spirit of that, in that we can make this orzo in the same pot and don't have to boil it separately. 
That's probably why I chose this out of the book, just subconsciously, because it reminded me so much of what we've been doing. Right, right. And also, I wanted fish for dinner, and it looked delicious. Right. It, it's a true shortcut to be able to cook the pasta right in the sauce. So, so okay, what, let's go. what you hear sizzling is a medium onion that we chopped, and it's sizzling away in a saucepan with two teaspoons of olive oil. Now, it's a little lighter than we might normally use, but it is Weight Watchers. Right. And oil has a lot of points. So right, and do not... Do not, for gosh sake, do not use canola oil or vegetable oil here because they're flavorless. And we want to get as much flavor into packed into this dish as possible. And that olive oil is going to absolutely give us that giant flavor benefit. It will. And so now that the onion's been going a while, now is the time to add one chopped garlic clove and a teaspoon of fennel seeds. And the fennel seeds we crushed using the bottom of this pot before we started cooking we have said it many times. Why don't we add the garlic? Well, I right think up a front? lot of people, if you listen to this podcast, you know the answer to this. But it's because garlic is a dried food product. It's a, think of it as the raisins of the allium family. It's a dried. <laughs> mm, I'm going to munch on those with peanuts next time we're in the car. Garlic and pe- good old garlic and peanuts. Yeah, that's your, your gorp or your gorg. So <laughs> go go your gorg. Go, good go. old raisins and garlic. Garlic is a dried food product and it burns. And honestly, we talked about this too long already so we got to move on but it burns so you added a little and it's smelling very fragrant now so now mark is going to pour in a 14 ounce can of crushed tomatoes reduced sodium and i just always want to insist on this reduced sodium i buy all reduced sodium brands it's not that i don't love salt in fact i salt corn chips out of a bag (laughs) that's how much i love salt i love salt however there is no reason to let someone else control the amount of salt in my food and the salt in canned food is often of inferior quality so reduced sodium canned diced tomatoes. We're using crushed today because I don't want crushed tomatoes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And we're going to also put in one and a third cups of water. Of course, we're putting water because we're going to be cooking that orzo right in here. And we're stirring in 12 large pitted olives that we cut in half. See, no need for salt. And we're putting in half a teaspoon of salt. Well, there you go. And a quarter teaspoon of pepper. Right. And why do we do that? Okay, there's salt in the olives are super salty. And then we're adding a little salt. And that's only because the Extra salt, honestly, it will give it a slightly different kick. Olives have a uniform flavor palette in saltiness. So this will give it a little extra kick. And you're not going to get an olive in every bite. And nope. quite honestly, I don't feel that olives put salt in a dish. It's just nope. salty when you put them in your mouth. Right. And let me also say that, of course, if you don't want to use olives in this, some people are olive averse, but they may be averse to this too, right? We <laughs> talked about this last night, but you can use sliced up caper berries too. Oh, right? just cut them in half. So that they look like half and we're olives. Not, we're not talking about capers. We're talking about the big old caper berries right. that are sold in jars. Right. And you can use those two instead of the olives. Well, and we're, we actually, in in this original recipe from the book, they call for capers. So we're going to put a teaspoon of whole capers in as well. Okay. All right. Okay, so now everything's in the pan, all those tomatoes and orzo and all that stuff. And we're going to just cook it at a low simmer for about five minutes. And you, unfortunately, you can't walk away from this. You kind of have to stir it a bit. You, It's not like you can't go open a bottle of wine or I mean it's not as if you have to stand locked to the stove but you do want to stir it every once in a while for about five minutes I know it almost it it actually orzo acts like rice in that 
it is risotto-ish that you have to stir this, but you're not stirring it to make it creamy. No, no, you're no. You're stirring it to make sure the orzo doesn't stick to the bottom of the pan because orzo has a tendency to right. do that. Right. But while we're waiting... Because orzo is super dense. Yeah. If you think about a, a grain of orzo, this is going to be too technical for a crazy podcast, but okay, just let me have it. If you think about the center of a grain of orzo, it is thicker than the walls of, say, penne or ziti even. It's thick it at its thick. very center, and that density causes it to naturally fall out of suspension in the way that, let's say, ziti may not. The same thing can happen to farfalle or butterfly pasta, and it's because of that dense. thick little center, yeah, that dense, dense center. It's heavy and dense. Right. Um, pastas that have holes in them, like, like as Mark said, like ziti and rigatoni, those tend not to, to stick to the bottom. Right. So, you know, this has already been going a minute and a half, so we're going to let it keep going, but I want to talk about what's going to happen at the outside minutes. We're going to be cooking fish. We said this is halibut braised in orzo. So in five minutes, the orzo is not cooked. It's par-cooked. It's very al dente. There's going to still be some liquid in the pan. And then we are going to slip in four five-ounce halibut fillets. Okay, now this is crucial, four five-ounce halibut fillets. And um, we're using frozen, right? They have been thawed. Um, and then nice but I mean, you can find these. <laughs> what I mean is, you can find these size, the size you need, or or ones close to it, in the freezer section as well as in the fresh food. You can. can, and the nice thing about the freezer is, frozen halibut fillets are almost always have the skin cut off of them. Yeah. When you buy fresh, it often has a skin. Now, the skin of halibut is easy to remove. It's thick and leathery. It's almost like a shark skin. Right. Because it's Com- a flatfish, and it comes off easily with a knife. But you can ask the fish guy in your store to do it for you. Uh, Fish guy, excuse me, the what? The fish guy. The fishmonger. I could tell you that the 17-year-olds working at Stop and Shop with the those filthy aprons fishmonger. are not mongers. Okay, they that's barely what you know. call that person. And if you want to really get, if it's a woman, it's a fishmongress. So. Well, they're a little mongressy, <laughs> but I guarantee you that those mouth breathers... <laughs> Are not stop. maybe the mongrels. Stop. Okay. Okay. Officially now. Stop. Okay. So you ask the fish mongrel to cut off the skin for you, or the fish mongreless <laughs> to cut off the skin. Stop. Just really stop. Honestly, we've now offended the American Association of Mongrels. So um, just stop. So I want to say one thing about fish and fish choices. If you don't know about the Monterey Bay Aquarium, the Monterey Bay Aquarium puts out a list of sustainable and sustainably caught fish and this list is constantly being updated based on stock uh, based on ocean stocks based on fish practices based on seasonability etc they actually have an app that you can download to smartphones from the monterey bay aquarium and it will help you right at the fish counter make good choices they have you know good choices not so good choices and then just outright bad choices and it's funny i watch these things alter all the time on the Monterey Bay site of what's good and what's bad. So if you're at the counter and you're looking for good fish and you maybe you want to even substitute something for this, don't mistake or don't 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 give short shrift to that Monterey Bay aquarium app that you can put down on your phone. Now if you do want to substitute as Mark said, this is a thick meaty fish. So you want to look at another thick meaty fish, kind of like a swordfish, but you want to check again that Monterey Bay and make sure that at that moment it's okay to eat that. Right, right. Um, but the, you don't want to get thin fish, you don't want to get flounders. I find that Monterey Bay Aquarium thing kind of funny because the aquarium is kind of where you go to see the fish and be entertained, <laughs> but then it's kind of like a zoo for fish. It is. So that would be like, it is. you know, the New York, the Bronx Zoo giving you a list of which animals to eat and which animals 
<laughs> right, and as many people besides me have pointed out, the Monterey Bay Aquarium captures fish in order to kill them in tanks for my pleasure. I mean, because they live in these little tanks and they die actually shorter lives than necessarily than they would in the wild and all that kind of stuff, and yet they lecture me on what fish to buy. I realize that I these, think the Bronx Zoo should do that. I think they should all... put out a list of what animals <laughs> should eat and what animals up. you shouldn't this, eat. I realize that this is all the conundrums of the modern <laughs> age, but they are. Okay, you know what? It has been long enough. It's been I, five I, minutes. Well, it hasn't actually, but I'm going to say it's been just about long enough, and we're going to get the fish in there. Okay, so now I'm going to take the lid off. I'm going to slip the fish in. I'm going to make sure they're covered with a little bit of sauce, a little bit of orzo. I'm going to make sure this flame is as low as I could possibly get it, because now with the fish in it, I don't want that orzo to burn. So now we're going to let this go 12 minutes, at which point the orzo will be tender, the fish will be cooked through, and then we can taste it. Well, it is done. It's actually, we let it cool a little bit because it's too... I don't like burning the top of my mouth Oh, off. you love it. But I'm digging Do it. you know what? We had this discussion the other day. Mm. Wait a minute. Mm. And let me get something in my mouth so I can talk. <laughs> we have this... Um, look, I'm Very blowing good. on it. It's hot. This is a discussion. I'm blowing on it. Oh, mm. He blows on his food. <laughs> Whoa. When I was a kid... I was talking, I'm not even talking about this fish. When I was a kid, I was taught you don't blow on your food. You don't blow your stink breath all over the room for people to smell. <laughs> you, well, wait in our family, food, you wait until your food cools. Wait. In our family, we didn't have stink breath. We just blew on our food to cool it down. <laughs> I think I almost said you wait until your fool coos down. You wait until your food cools down, and then you eat it. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about this dish. Um, The fish is so meaty. The thing I like about halibut, especially cooked this way... I could, you could tell me I was eating a piece of veal, and I believe you. Yeah, you know what? Actually, here's the truth about this matter. I think I like the orzo and tomatoes cooked with the fishy juices, almost as good as I like the fish. Yeah, this orzo is delicious. It does have, it has a bouillabaisse quality. Yeah, because it's got some of that fishiness in it. You know, I mean, halibut is super mild, but it's got some of that fishiness in it. It's got the tomatoes. It's got the olives. It's simply Mm. flavored because you're really getting Mm. some capers, some olives. Um, and some fennel seeds, and that's the basis of this whole dish. Um, it's simple. It was really easy to make. We had dinner in less know, than half an hour, and it's yummy. If you if you if you follow my Facebook feed, and you should, if you did, you saw people this week cooking fish under molten glass, <laughs> which was it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my so whole life. So you have life. to buy a molten glass <laughs> machine. <laughs> But it's amazing that those people don't know that you can make fish in minutes on the stove, and you don't have to heat up and melt glass and pour it over fish to cook. I think trout does cook best at 1,200 degrees centigrade. That's 2,100 degrees Fahrenheit that they were pouring onto that halibut, and it was halibut. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. Anyway. Well, this is only a low flame. And it's only a total of 17 minutes, and it's terrific. I think it says that it's six smart points per serving. Even if you're not on plan, even if you're not on the Weight Watchers plan, check out the book, Yes Italian, for great Italian ideas, recipes, healthy Mediterranean cooking. I mean, you really honestly can't beat that. And you could check out our monthly column on WeightWatchers.com, Bruce and Mark on Food. And you could check out a new episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark every week right here, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode.